0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News. Recorded on Thursday, March the 17th, and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind, and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis, and the team this week comprises John Plush as recording engineer, Carol Hartle on copying and admin and our readers today are Catherine Neal, Hello. Phil Lee. Hello. And Jane Fairs, Hello. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording today. As always, we'll include first of all a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres etc, followed by the headline stories then a selection of general news stories, a little bit of sport and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times and of course the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Our obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Jane is going to read for us.
1: Wilds Lane, 01905 767 766. Listeners should be aware that this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police, non-emergency 101. NHS direct 111. Out of hours medical assistance... O three hundred one two three three two one one, Crime Stoppers. O eight hundred five 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 one one one, Worcester Hub. O one nine o five seven six five seven six five, Worcestershire County Council here to help. O one nine o five seven six eight o five three option three. Community Risk Team Fire Safety 0800 032 1155 Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800 980 3331 Sense Adventures Walking for Visually Impaired D Jones 01684 891 297 or O seven nine two O one four four six one four W dot sense one word dot co dot UK Samaritans one one six one two three Worcester Live O one nine O five six one one four two seven Malvern Theatres 01684
0: Thank you, Jane. So, moving on, I've got a few ideas of what's on over the next week or two, or beyond, actually. And we're going to start in Pershaw. The modern-day balladeer group Green Matthews will be bringing a new version of Geoffrey Chaucer's timeless classic The Canterbury Th- Tales at the Theatre Number no. 8 in Pershaw later this month. Presenting six of the best-loved tales and taking visual inspiration from medieval mystery plays, Green Matthews says, This is definitely not a dry academic take on English literature. The show is fast, furious, occasionally filthy, and invariably funny. Tickets for The Canterbury Tales, which takes to the stage on Thursday, March the 31st at 7.30pm, are priced at £12 and are on sale now from the number 8 box office on 01386 555 488 or online at number8.org. And it's a number 8. On to something different. Atmosphere. A new outdoor spring festival is planned to take place in Worcester City Centre and Worcester Woods Country Park next month. The festival, which is part of the Arches Worcester Festivals programme, is a free event designed to appeal to all ages and spark discussion through a mix of live performances, workshops and events inspired by the environment and the natural world. Atmosphere will take place on Saturday and Sunday, April the ninth and 10th. For more details, visit thearchesworcesterfestivals.co.uk slash atmosphere or follow... At Archfests on social media. And looking ahead, although actually it's from March the 23rd, Spechley Park Gardens will be opening to the public for the new season. <clears throat> An event has been organised for Easter, known as Alice in Spechley Wonderland. A fantastic family day giving people a fun-filled adventure, including a search for Missing Jam Tarts. Tickets cost £9 for adults, £5 for children. For more details, visit speciallygardens.digitickets.co.uk And also on the Easter theme, Hanbury Hall's Easter Egg Hunt around the nature-inspired trails is being held from the 8th to the 24th of April. The price of the trail is £3 per child and includes a trail map, pencil and a chocolate egg at the end. To book, visit guide2.co.uk and finally at the Malvern Theatres a performance of Catch Me If You Can the gripping psychological thriller by Robert Thomas and that's going to happen between Monday the 21st to Saturday the 26th of March tickets are £26.88 to £41.44 and apparently US stars Dallas legend Patrick Duffy and Linda Pearl fly in from Hollywood for this special production in which they will star alongside Grey O'Brien, who featured in Peak Practice and Coronation Street. And the Malvern box office number is, as Jane said, 01684 892 if you need more details on that performance. Right, I think that's... More than does what's on. Let's move to the headlines. And Catherine's going to begin with the headlines for the week and then
2: start with the first one.
0: Right. Thank you, Pippa. Uh,
2: on Friday the 11th of March, the headline was I just want them caught. Owner's plea after thieves steal £1,000 of tools. On Saturday the 12th of March, the headline was Search for a perfect match. Family's quest for donor to help teenager. Monday the 14th of March, drunken assault on police. Tuesday the 15th of March, delays as line blocked. Day of long waits after person hit by train. Wednesday the 16th of March, drug seizure inside police raid as it finds more than 200 cannabis plants. And Thursday the 17th of March, there, with Ukraine, five p of every edition sold today will be donated to help the people of Ukraine. So, the headline story then for Friday, March the eleventh. I just want them caught. Brazen thieves have been caught on CCTV shoving tools in their pockets at an independent business. The pair came into Link Tools in Warnden, stealing a thousand pounds worth of cordless tools, including. DeWalt and Marita drills, routers and nail guns. A manager said the thefts had a significant financial impact on their independent business. CCTV has caught one of the men looking about before kneeling down and shoving the drills into his inside Gillette pocket. In the background, a second man can be seen keeping a lookout at the business in Cranham Industrial Estate, Shipston Close. Gary Looker, who co-owns the business, said, ''We're a small independent business with branches in Malvern and Worcester. It has a significant financial impact on the business, considering the margins we have to sell at to be competitive and make a living. Myself and my fellow directors put our heart and soul into making this business work, and we live and breathe it.'' Mr. Looker said he just wanted to have the pair caught and dealt with by police. They were in our Worcester store at around 3.30pm yesterday. The value of tools stolen is approximately £1,000 and they took cordless tools. They were DeWalt and Marita brands and included drills, routers and nail guns. We've shared the CCTV video of the two men helping themselves to the tools on the Link Tools Facebook page. I just want them caught. The video shows the one man wearing a black top, black gilet, black shorts and black socks. He has brown hair and starts with his back to the camera before stooping to put the tools into his gilet. A second man is at the back of the store and shuffles towards the first man, keeping an eye out. He wears a light-coloured hoodie with a black gilet over the top. He has dark trousers and dark boots. Anyone with information should call police on 101, quoting crime number 22 forward slash 23200,
3: forward slash 22. And Saturday's story, Search for a Perfect Match, a family's quest for donor to help teenager. A girl's family has launched a desperate appeal to help her fight two life-threatening conditions. Izzy Topping is battling aplastic anemia, a condition in which the body does not produce enough blood cells. She now needs a blood dem cell donation to give her the best chance of survival. Izzy, a former pupil of RGS, was originally rushed to the doctors last summer after she began to feel lethargic and developed unexplained bruises on her arms and legs. After a series of tests she was diagnosed with two blood disorders and her father Neil has appealed for potential donors to sign up now. He said... Izzy had become a little low on energy, mainly when playing sports, and then developed unexplained bruising. This raised concerns, so a doctor was consulted who recommended a blood test. Her mother, Sally, said the onset of the condition had been very, very sudden. She said one weekend she was playing netball, and then the next weekend she had developed this unexplainable large bruising. These are life-threatening conditions. It's heartbreaking. Finding a donor would literally change Izzy's life. It takes a few minutes to register and another few minutes to complete the swabs. It's free and it could save a life. Worcestershire pop star Cher Lloyd has thrown her weight behind Izzy's appeal. She has shared a link to our online story. Sharing the post to her 2.4 million followers on Instagram, she said, I have just registered. Please consider doing so too. Sending lots of love to Izzy. The family is planning a donor drive where people can come and register with DKMS. Izzy from Malvern was a mascot for Worcester's netball team, the Seven Stars, in their match this week, which was televised on Sky Sports. Although her time as a netball player has been disrupted, she has started to come back to training sessions to help out with coaching and umpiring, which also gives her the opportunity to socialise with her teammates. She has also expressed an interest in getting involved in Little League when it starts in April. Mum Sally added, Could someone be the perfect match for Izzy or someone like her? If you're between 17 and 55 and in general good health, please request a swab kit to become a potential lifesaver. To find out more about Izzy and her story... Go to dkms.org.uk forward slash get hyphen involved forward slash virtual hyphen drives forward slash netball. There you can also find out more about becoming a donor with DKMS.
1: And here is the news on Monday, March the 14th drunken assault on police. A drunk mum attacked three police officers clawing the face of one until she drew blood before slapping a second and trying to head but a third. Tasmin Kemp admitted three assaults on emergency workers, one male and two female police officers, after they tried to protect her by arresting the partner who had attacked her in Worcester High Street. The 27-year-old of Canterbury Road, Warkswood, Worcester, pleaded guilty to the attacks after officers intervened to arrest her partner when they saw him push her into a shop window. Eleanor Peart prosecuting said officers saw an argument between the defendant and a man at around 11.50pm witnessing him push Kemp. The man was heard by an officer to say, I'm going to punch you in a minute. Police had a concern for the defendant's welfare and an officer, P.C. Ryan, took hold of the man. This is when the defendant started screaming at the officers to get off him, said Miss Peart. Miss Peart added she was very irate. The officer found this irrational as he was protecting her from this man. Without warning, the defendant hit out with her right hand purposefully to claw at his face causing him instant pain. She had drawn blood, which was dripping down onto his uniform. That officer suffered two scratches to his face, a bleeding lip and several cuts to his right hand, injuries which took several days to heal. The officer had to return to his family and explain these injuries to his children, the court heard. Another officer was trying to control the defendant when Kemp slapped her across the left-hand side of her face, causing pain and sensitivity to her teeth, but no injury. Whilst being searched, Kemp launched forward with an extremely forceful head-butting movement at a third officer, but missed. She said it would have caused significant injury if it had connected, said Miss Peart. Kemp has previous convictions, including common assault, from August last year. Belinda Aris, defending, said Kemp rarely went out because she had two children, was with her partner at the time and is still with her partner. They had a fairly pleasant evening together and there was a very stupid argument between them uh, that got out of hand and somebody asked the police to go and assist. She did not feel the police assistant was required. She realises from the outset looking in she did need police assistance. She was very surprised when her partner was arrested, he was carried off. She simply just lost her head. Too much drink had caused her judgment to fail and lash out at the first officer, causing scratches to the face. She's extremely sorry and she does have previous convictions, the majority when she was a youth, said Miss Arris. Magistrates put her on a 12-month community order to include 120 hours of unpaid work uplifted from 80 hours because the attacks were on emergency workers and are considered more serious. They also ordered compensation to PC Ryan who suffered the scratches of £200 and the other officers, PC Ellis and PC Bird, were each awarded £50 in compensation. Kemp will be placed on an electronically tagged curfew for the next eight weeks, running daily between 7pm and 7am a victim surcharge of 95 pounds and costs of 185 must be paid this will be paid via an attachment to benefits at the rate of 5 pounds per week
0: and the headline for tuesday march the 15th delays as line blocked day of long waits after person hit by train There was chaos across the rail network after a person was hit by a train between Worcester Shrub Hill and Oxford. As a result, the line was blocked in both directions, causing delays and cancellations throughout the day. The main service from Worcester through to London had to be started from Oxford as a result, meaning anyone trying to get to London from Worcester had to find an alternative way to the capital. A spokesperson said the 3.16pm Worcester Foregate Street to London Paddington due at 5.24pm will be started from Oxford. It will no longer call at Worcester Foregate Street, Worcester Shrub Hill, Worcestershire Parkway, Evesham, Morton in Marsh, Kingham, Charlbury and Hanborough. This is due to a person hit by a train. GWR did not identify the person hit by the train or say whether they were injured. Announcing the incident, Great Western Railway said replacement bus services were being put on to help passengers affected. In an online update, they said, Due to a person hit by a train between Oxford and Worcester Shrub Hill, all lines are blocked. West Midland Railway are conveying passengers between Worcester Shrub Hill and Hereford in both directions until further notice. Transport for Wales are conveying passengers between Hereford and Newport, South Wales, in both directions until further notice. Arrangements have been made for Great Western Railway tickets to be accepted for these journeys. Later on in the day, GWR announced the line had reopened fully, but that passengers should expect further delays. One commuter, trying to catch the train in the city, told Worcester News they'd been held back by around half an hour while the incident was resolved.
2: And the headline for... Wednesday, March the 16th, was drug seizure inside police raid as it finds more than 200 cannabis plants. There's a very dramatic photograph of the police raid. With a loud crash, police battered down a door during a raid on a 200-plus plant cannabis farm in Worcester and arrested the suspected live-in farmer. Officers, some kitted out in body armour and helmets, smashed open the door of a semi-detached house in Canterbury Road, Ronxwood, Worcester, shortly before 9am yesterday. Shouts of police reverberated through the house on the corner of Canterbury Road and Newtown Road as a team of officers charged inside, led by PC Alan Fuaguredo, nicknamed Fig. He worked the lock before a colleague used the enforcer, dubbed the Big Red Key, to deliver three heavy blows which caused the door to fly open. Officers were immediately greeted by the overpowering smell of cannabis wafting towards them. Once inside, the team from West Mercia Police found around an estimated 230 cannabis plants, some five feet tall, in a house specially adapted for the purpose and a man suspected of being responsible for the grow. There were an estimated 150 plants downstairs and 80 more in a preparation room upstairs. An Albanian male inside was arrested on suspicion of cultivation of cannabis and abstracting electricity, handcuffed and taken from the property to be interviewed at the police station. Drivers queuing up at the junction with Newtown Road craned their heads to get a peek at the frenetic activity outside the house. The warrant was well-timed. Officers believed that some of the more mature plants were close to being harvested. If they had left the raid any later, vital evidence would have been lost or potentially sold on in deals to users on the streets of Worcester. The house itself had been specially adapted for the purpose of the grow, with fans, lighting, heating and a ventilation system installed. The electricity supply had been bypassed to provide energy for the grow. Sergeant Pete Frankish, a response officer based at Worcester Police Station, had already briefed his officers not to touch any light switches before the warrant was executed, warning them all, all, safety is key. A wall in the downstairs living area and kitchen had been knocked through to make one large room for the grow. There was also a large hole in the floor. Officers also checked the loft, but no further plants were found in there. Although it is a large grow, estimated by officers to use 80% of the space in the house, drugs experts will have to analyse the plants seized and calculate the potential yield and work out the street value of the Class B drug. Some of the plants were so large they'd been tied up because of the weight of the buds. Sergeant Frankish said, grows like this have an impact on the community. That's where we've got the intelligence from to swear out the warrant. It's having an impact on the community and that's why we're here. All the information we have has come from months of talking to the community. He urged people in communities across Worcester to report drug activity via Neighbourhood Matters, or the Police Non-Emergency Number 101, and asked to speak to the Safer Neighbourhood team for the area. Scottish Power arrived to make it safe and secure. The painstaking forensics work by scenes of crime officers took place
3: throughout the day. Thank you, Catherine. Thursday's Worcester News has a very unusual front page. It's a a picture of the Ukrainian flag, with very bright blue at the top and bright yellow at the bottom. And then there's a heart shape in the middle with there with Ukraine written inside. Stephanie Priest, the editor, says later on in the issue, it is incredibly rare for editors to hand over their front page, even rarer for us all to convey one simple message. But we hope that by doing so, we make a strong statement. And the headline is another day to make donations. A Worcester charity is taking donations for Ukrainian refugees again this Friday after being overwhelmed by people's generosity last week. Like You has been running collections for Ukraine since the humanitarian crisis began and has been able to send three large donations to distribution centres. The charity, which runs a migrant support centre and a community cafe, has praised a response to its appeal for help last week. Thank you to everyone for help and support in our collection. Thank you to volunteers and to Carl Munson for kindly driving to Redditch with all the donations. Like You, which is based next to Practical Car and Van Rental in Westbury Street, confirmed it would once again open its doors on Friday March 18th from 930 to take donations. At last week's collection, the charity's Kazia Lozinska told us the response has been amazing. People from all nationalities have been coming together. People are coming in and asking if they can help. We've even had mums and kids coming in and sorting donations for us. The items wanted at Ukraine Collections. Organisers say they are grateful for any donations but are asking people to stick to the items that refugees really need right now. These include baby food and formula milk for children, nappies of all sizes, disposable sheets and children's medicines such as cowpole. First aid items are in demand including anti-diarrhea tablets, painkillers like paracetamol, bandages, gauze, antiseptic spray and wipes, antiseptic healing creams like Savlon, antihistamines and first aid bags. Also in demand are hygiene products such as sanitary towels, soap, flannels, sponges, deodorant, hand gel, razor blades, toothpaste, toothbrushes and cotton swabs, as well as camping equipment such as torches, batteries, power banks, sleeping bags and waterproof clothing. Most items of clothing are not needed, but new, not used, socks and underwear are wanted, as are scarves, gloves, hats, coats and thermals non-perishable foods and bottled water that can easily be transported will also be welcomed. Like You helps members of Worcester's migrant community with a range of different issues, especially in situations where there is a language barrier. The charity also provides hot meals and food parcels to those who need them.
0: Thank you, Phil. And that concludes the week's headline stories. Uh, Moving on now to some general news stories, which Jane will kick us off with. Thank you, Jane.
1: And here's another one for, um, about Ukraine. The show raises £5,000 for the fund. A sold-out concert at Pershaw Abbey raised almost £5,000 for Ukraine. The voices of Vocal High and Excelsa voices rang round the iconic building as choirs performed pieces in nine different languages. The night kicked off with the Ukrainian National Anthem, performed solo by tenor Ian Grist. Pershaw musicians Paula Evans and Chris Long run the two choirs and play an integral part in Friday's concert themselves. Paula directed vocal high before a solo performance of a chant by Hildegard of Bingen in a dark abbey, which was said to be spine-tingling. Chris, meanwhile, performed piano for both choirs guiding the audience through the evening and introducing the stories behind the music. The organisers said we had the idea for the concert on Sunday morning. We cleared it with the vicar that afternoon, and by 9am the next morning, people were queuing outside for tickets. The concert more or less sold out in two days. We have been overwhelmed by the response of everybody to this call for financial aid for Ukraine. A massive thank you to the Abbey team for their support in this hugely important cause. In total, £4,716.34 and pence was raised, which will go to the Red Cross and choose love charities. Due to the popularity of the concert, a second event is now being organised for later this month, on Friday, t- March the 25th. Trudy Burge, spokesperson for the Abbey, believes... The town may have raised £10,000 in the last week, thanks not only to the concert but various other events taking place too. The town council held a bring and buy sale, the Rotary Club received 3500 in donations and Grab a Greek Cafe raised over £1,000 with a cake style.
0: A Worcester couple are celebrating their diamond anniversary this month. Rosemary and Bernard Manton were married 60 years ago on March the 3rd. The couple, who are both Worcester-born and bred, met shortly after Bernard, known as Bernie, came out of national service. They still live in the city, and for many years, Bernie worked at Metal Castings, while Rosemary worked at Russell and Dorrell Department Store. Bernie's passion was for darts, and in the past, they've both travelled all over the country, where he played in many different tournaments. Indeed, in 1981, he was crowned World Amateur Darts Champion in Barbados. Cousin Diana Levins said they've had a lovely life together and enjoyed celebrating their anniversary with family and friends. Many congratulations to you
2: both. A teenager spreads word on tinnitus. A teenager who's suffered from tinnitus for most of her life is doing her bit to raise awareness of the debilitating condition. Isabel Sherrington Lodge has suffered from persistent high pitched buzzing in her ears since she was eight years old. The 16 year old from Worcester is walking 10,000 steps a day during March in support of the British Tinnitus Association, the organisation which has given support during this time. Isabel said, I've suffered from tinnitus since I was eight years old due to a severe ear infection. After getting tinnitus, it made me feel really isolated and stressed as I didn't know how to cope with it and I would be left constantly hearing a high-pitched buzzing in my ears. It affected me in more ways than I thought it would. It started to prevent me from being able to understand what was being said as my tinnitus would be the only thing that I could hear. After finding out about the British Tinnitus Association, I was able to find information and techniques to help me live with my tinnitus so I could hear it less. It also helped me feel happier because I was able to find information and connect with others my age who had tinnitus, letting me know I wasn't alone and that other people my age also have it. Tinnitus, commonly referred to as ringing in the ears, is an often debilitating condition that affects around 11,000 adults in Worcester alone. 65,000 people in the county of Worcestershire and one in eight nationwide. British Tinnitus Association's fundraising officer, Jess Pollard, said, Experiencing tinnitus at any age can be daunting, but the way Isabel is dedicating time and energy to raise awareness and manage her condition is inspirational. Isabel has set out to raise £200 and would love your support in raising as much as possible. For more information about Isabel's challenge, go to justgiving.com forward slash tinnitus walking challenge.
3: All one word. Right, Thursday's newspaper um, gives us some news about the council and its latest uh, grant. Council talks on £19 million pounds government funding. The next step in a major revamp of Worcester is on the agenda this month. Improvements worth £19.6 million from the Government's Towns Fund will be debated by Worcester City Council's Policy and Resources Committee when it meets on March 22nd. The City has already seen £2.5 million approved to support the new Seven Centre for Health and Wellbeing in Hilton Road. Now the Council will discuss more business cases applying for the share of the cash. The new business cases are for active travel, improving the city's heritage celebrations and improvements to the Riverside Park in the city. If approved, the active travel funding would include £4.5 million worth of projects included improving walking and cycling routes in the city, investment in Kepax Bridge, a new bicycle hire scheme and improving pathways. The Heritage and Riverside business case is looking for £640,000 from the town's fund to improve the city's appeal to tourists. The funding would see the Worcestershire Soldier Museum, currently housed in Worcester City Art Gallery, move to a new display area at the Commandery. The Riverside Park, which includes land adjacent to the Severn from the outskirts of the city centre all the way to Diglis Island, will benefit from improved links to the High Street, via Copenhagen Street and St Andrew's Gardens. Funding will also support a wider programme of works being delivered by Worcester Cathedral, creating a more appealing link to Cathedral Square and through the Cathedral Gardens to the Riverside. Council Leader Councillor Mark Baylis said... These latest two projects will bring significant benefits to Worcester residents and businesses and also give a further boost to our city's growing reputation as a tourist destination. The overall funding, agreed in September last year, is planned to be used for the Shrub Hill regeneration as well as building the city's second building block, Construction Skills Centre in Dines Green. The Council originally bid for twenty eight million pounds from the Government, but was given nineteen point six million, meaning its original plans had to be redrawn
1: and This is from Tuesday, March the fifteenth, jailed for helping knife attacker hide a drug addict father who helped a knife attacker escape police and hid him in his loft is behind bars. Paul Cave who launched a vicious attack on Paul Gill in Worcester, was facing charges of attempted murder and grievous bodily harm, with intent after stabbing his victim multiple times, but he died before he could face justice. Lee Raymond, aged 42, the man who assisted Cave by calling him a taxi and trying to divert police away from his home in Borrodale Drive in Warndon, Worcester, is now behind bars. Sobbing could be heard in the public gallery as Raymond was jailed for eight months for assisting an offender at Worcester Crown Court. Cave, aged 48 at the time of the attack, died on January the 22nd last year before he could be dealt with for the stabbing in Nash's Passage off New Street in Worcester on September the 20th, 2019. William Dudley, prosecuting, said there had been a dispute between Mr Gill and Cave. Mr Gill thought Mr Cave had been threatening his nan, and Mr Gill arrived at the flat. An altercation took place whereby Paul Cave was said to have stabbed Mr Gill multiple times in the back, shoulder and head. Paul Cave ran away from the flat across the main city walls road, and witnesses in the area reported seeing a man with a large kitchen knife. This defendant, Raymond, called a taxi at about 6.10pm on that day, said Mr Dudley. The taxi picked up both Cave and Raymond and took them to Borrowdale Drive in Warndon, which was where Raymond lived. Raymond urged Cave by text message to check the Worcester News because it contained details about the attack. Mr Dudley added, the Crown say that this suggests that this defendant had, by then, a good idea as to what was going on. He knew police were looking for Paul Cave. In October 2019, police received intelligence that Cave may be at Raymond's address in Borrowdale Drive and officers knocked on his door. Mr Dudley added, when he answered, he told police only his children were present at the address However, a short time later, Cave was found hiding in the loft. To begin with, Raymond answered no comment to police in interview, but later said he'd been out to buy drugs and had been unaware that Cave was in his house. Raymond was described as having a lengthy criminal history, including offences of dishonesty and possession of drugs. Martin Butterworth, defending, asked for the custodial sentence to be suspended, He has demonstrated remarkable ability to change his life, said Mr Butterworth, of the father of two. He explained that the death of Raymond's partner when he was relapsed into drug use. Judge Nicholas Cole said in calling the taxi, Raymond would have had some knowledge that there had been violence, but not necessarily the extent of the violence. He added that violence was severe Paul Cave had stabbed the victim a number of times. Judge said that the only immediate custodial sentence was appropriate and spoke of the importance of deterring when sentencing offences of this nature. Raymond was told he can expect to serve half of the eight months in custody and half in the community on licence.
0: The Passion Play is coming to Worcester City Centre in April. The Worcester Passion Play will be performed on Good Friday, that's April the 15th, in Cathedral Square. The open-air performance will detail the story of the day that Jesus was arrested, tried and crucified before rising from the dead on Easter Sunday. At the start of last year, 50 people began rehearsing from churches across Worcester for the performance, which then had to be delayed due to the pandemic. John Inge, the Bishop of Worcester, was due to have been playing a role – and has said he will be reprising the role in a video posted on the Worcester Passion Plays Facebook page last year. He said I was due to play one of the thieves crucified alongside Jesus. Next year I will be strung up outside the cathedral for all to see, and for those wondering, I will be playing the bad thief typecast. It is really exciting. Worcester has not seen anything like it before. Quite often we tend to celebrate within our churches, but this production will be taken out to the heart of the city and we expect lots of people to be involved. It will be a spectacle with real meaning and hope. Come and enjoy it and find something really precious as you do so. The play is being directed by Tim Crow, who is delighted so many of the original cast have reprised their original roles for this year's production. He said... There has been a real sense of community in the preparation for the Passion Play. Whenever a group of actors come together, there's a sense of team, but it's gone on even further and has felt like family. The 90-minute performance is a partnership between the Worcester Passion Play Limited and the Christian theatre group Wintershall. Worcester is one of ten cities in the UK producing The Passion of Jesus in association with Wintershall's trafalgar square production the event will be free to attend for all those wishing to see the performance
2: right thank you here's a list of the biggest planning applications in the city that have all been submitted in the last 12 months but are still waiting for a decision from planners at worcester city council The first is 50 homes on former Tolladyne Golf Course off Darwin Avenue. Up to 50 homes could still be built on the former Tolladyne Golf Course in Worcester, despite two rejections by the City Council's Planning Committee. After a second attempt to get planning permission was rejected by councillors in December, Housing Association Bromford has now launched an appeal with the Government's Planning Inspectorate, which could see the decision overturned. Secondly, demolition of former Sansom Walk Swimming Pool for 40 homes. Sanctuary Housing revealed its proposals to build a mix of 40 affordable two- to four-bed homes and one-bed flats on the site of the former Sansom Walk Swimming Pool in Worcester last year. The former swimming pool closed at the end of 2016 and was finally demolished this summer. Thirdly, a care home off London Road. Arden Croft has put forward plans which would see a new 61-bed care home built on land off the busy London Road in Worcester. Neighbours close by say the wildlife-filled green space would be destroyed if the care home is allowed to be built. A decision was due to be made by the Council's Planning Committee in February, but was pulled from the agenda at the last minute. Fourthly, a care home in Northwick. The 70-bed care home could be built on land known as the donkey field off Northwick Road in Worcester, but whilst in the city, a decision will be made by Witchaven District Council. Council planners rejected proposals to build an 80-bed care home on the same land last year. Northwick Developments put the plan back on the table in January, but reduced the size of the care home slightly to 70 beds. Next, 15 flats in Lowersmoor. The proposals would see the four-storey apartment building built behind the Firefly pub and various other buildings in Lower'smore in Worcester. Uh, then there's 14 flats in Foregate Street. Victoria House in Worcester's Foregate Street would become 14 flats under proposals by the Barnett Property Group. The upper floors of the Grade Two listed building have been empty for several years and have fallen into a state of disrepair. Next one is the conversion of the former Powell's care home in Ombersley Road into an HMO which means a house of multiple occupation. New plans would see the former Powell's residential home in Ombersley Road converted into an HMO. The building has been used to house several of the city's rough sleepers. During the coronavirus pandemic, and residents say they are living in fear, having been plagued by antisocial behaviour, drunken abuse and drug dealing near their homes. Uh, The next one is conversion of former Garibaldi Inn in St John's into flats. Proposals to convert the Garibaldi Inn in St John's into six flats were rejected by Worcester City Council's Planning Committee last year, but an appeal has now been lodged with the Government's Planning Inspectorate, meaning the decision could be overturned. And finally, the conversion of the former Café Rouge in Friar Street. The plans would see the upper floors above the former Café Rouge restaurant in Friar Street in Worcester, which closed last year, converted into three flats and a six-room house of multiple occupation. The ground floor and part of the first floor space in the Grade 2 listed building would remain for commercial use and could be replaced with a new shop, restaurant or café.
3: Thank you, Catherine. Saturday's newspaper. Staff on their knees. And it's accompanied by a photograph of uh, a line of ambulances waiting outside Worcestershire Royal. Exhausted hospital staff and paramedics have been brought to their knees by huge handover delays. An investigation has found... A report by Worcestershire County Council has described the toll that long delays have taken on staff and patients and how the region was one of the worst performing in the country when it came to ambulance handover delays at the end of last year. The average handover at the Alexandra Hospital in Redditch took around 16 minutes compared with the average wait of an hour and 45 minutes at Worcestershire Royal. At points, the delay in handover time from ambulance to hospital was twice as bad in the West Midlands than in the East Midlands and was worse than the rest of the country combined, according to the scrutiny report by the Council's Health and Overview Scrutiny Committee. Health bosses in the region have now outlined how they will cut delays to the amount of time it takes for patients to be transferred, including ensuring the right people are attending A&E and making sure patients leave on time when they are fit to do so. At the end of October, there were 205 people still in hospital 24 hours after they were judged as medically fit to leave. Significant concerns were raised in the report, with many exhausted staffs said to be on their knees and reduced to tears by work and left unable to take time off. Paramedics were often finishing four hours after shifts were supposed to end and while used to attending a job every 90 minutes were now left carrying out only a single job across a 12-hour shift because of the huge handover delays. In October last year during the period counsellors were looking at a patient died after waiting more than five hours in the back of an ambulance outside Worcestershire Royal and a month later A mother and her dead baby were left waiting in an ambulance for more than an hour because of delays. The council's report said the region's ambulance service had reported that serious incidents had increased fourfold in the last 18 months. Audits of avoidable deaths were carried out and, quote, whilst not huge, the numbers were there.
1: And this is for um, Tuesday, March 15th. Um, the universities to offer homes to house refugees fleeing the war in Ukraine in its halls of residence. The University of Worcester said it set aside two newly refurbished accommodation buildings in its St John's campus to be used as emergency accommodation for refugees settling in the county. The spokesperson for the university said... As a humanitarian crisis unfolds in Ukraine following its invasion by Russia's armed forces, many people in the University of Worcester community are looking for ways they can help. From encouraging donations to assist people in the war zone, to adding our voice to calls for safe passage for refugees to travel to the UK, the University is taking practical action to help the Ukrainian people in every way at our disposal the university has readied itself to be a reception area for Ukrainian refugees. Two halls of residence on our St. John's campus, which have recently been refurbished and were therefore vacant, have been immediately recommissioned and will be offered to provide the emergency housing needed for a reception centre. We will cooperate closely with community organisations, the Church of England and other faith bodies our local authorities and housing associations, to create an effective system to ensure that refugees from Ukraine to our region receive the sanctuary and support they need. University Vice-Chancellor Professor David Green said colleagues, students, governors and fellows of the university have been horrified by the Russian regime's invasion of Ukraine. The needless deaths of so many Ukrainians, including children and adult civilians, as well as soldiers, the the injuries to so many more and the displacement of so many people, is truly devastating. The University of Worcester was founded after World War II to win the peace through education. Our commitment to democracy, the rule of law and the sovereignty of independent nations is unshakable. As a community we express our solidarity with the Ukrainian people as they fight to preserve their city, country, lives and freedoms.
0: The first new age group in the Scouts in 35 years has arrived and there's a group in Worcester. Robert Sidley, County Commissioner from Scouts Hereford and Worcester, said we couldn't be prouder to celebrate Squirrels, our new programme for four- and five-year-olds. It's also a historic milestone for the UK scout movement. As the first new age range in scouts for 35 years, we're helping young people gain skills for life where and when it matters most. Following two years of pilots and pioneering work in Northern Ireland, 200 squirrel drays have opened in locations across the UK. Seven have now opened across our county, including two in Worcester. The latest to welcome squirrels are Scouts Fifth Worcester, based in Barbourne, which welcomed 10 new members. Robert added, there are several other groups hoping to open new drays and support scouting in their local community, providing an amazing community-based scouting programme. People do not need any scouting experience to support their groups, but a desire to support a fun scouting programme. This can be from squirrels aged four and five through to explorer scouts up to ages 17. Voluntary work is truly rewarding. If you are interested, then please email here to help at scoutshw.org.uk for further information. If you aren't interested in becoming a leader, but fancy volunteering and scouting, either helping in the background maybe, or on an executive committee in your village, town or county, then get in touch on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash hwscout slash or Twitter at ScoutsHW or go to scoutshw.org.uk. Good luck to them.
2: Hmm. All right, thanks. (coughs) The fire service for Worcester has donated PPE and rescue equipment to help support emergency workers in Ukraine. Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service will also be donating a fire engine this week following government approval. The services donations form part of an initiative by the National Fire Chiefs Council to deliver kit and equipment in support of the Ukrainian Fire and Rescue Service's response to the emerging crisis. Two Hereford and Worcester volunteers drove fully packed vans to the UK collection point last Friday, March the 11th. The vans contained personal protection equipment, filters for respiratory protection equipment, ventilation fans, scoop stretchers and chemical protection suits. An appliance donated by the service will form part of a convoy of 15 fire engines and two lorries of equipment being driven to Poland on Saturday. The deployment of these donations is being supported by funding from the Home Office, Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office and others – it is being coordinated by the UK charity Fire Aid. When it reaches Ukraine, the equipment will be used to support firefighters, emergency services and volunteers who are battling together on the front line, dealing daily with fires and other emergencies to protect lives, people and property as the invasion devastates the country. Area Commander John Butlin, Assistant Director for Response at the Hereford and Worcester Service said this is an extremely worthy cause for the service to be supporting. I would like to thank everyone who's volunteered to drive the equipment to the collection point this weekend and those that have assisted in prepping the equipment and the appliance at high speed to get it ready in time. Claire Hoyland, Project Manager for FireAid, said, Following the invasion of Ukraine, our members immediately mobilised to gather equipment and aid to donate to their Ukrainian counterparts. FireAid members have been working in partnership with Ukrainian emergency services since 2012, and we're proud to be coordinating this unprecedented emergency response on behalf of the UK fire sector. Ian Moore Chief Executive of the Fire Industry Association, said it has been both an honour and humbling experience to be part of a truly
3: collaborative humanitarian response from the UK. Thank you, Catherine. And now a story about a lady who truly was a character. Closing time came too early. Customers and staff have been sharing tributes and memories of a no-nonsense landlady who has died. Judy Allen has been remembered for her brilliant wit, sarcasm kindness, generosity and awesome cooking after three decades at the Mug House in Claines. Mrs. Allen died on Monday morning at Worcestershire Royal Hospital after a brief illness. Corinne Kennedy from Monkwood Green fondly remembered a funny moment when a wedding party filled the pub without buying a drink. Incidentally, I point out that the pub is virtually in the uh, churchyard at Clanes, so there's always been that, that strange symbiosis she said never forget cold lunchtime when an entire wedding party invaded the bar because the church was not yet open we customers were getting crowded out until judy came in and shouted this isn't a bleeping bus shelter if you're not drinking kindly vacate the premises or something along those lines we have very fond memories of her, Russ, that's her son, and a great pub. She will be greatly missed. Mrs. Allen was well known for enjoying a glass of red wine and wearing an apron when she worked in the pub's kitchens. Staff member Jan Femby said, Closing time came too early, Judy. You should have gone on forever. Your brilliant wit and sarcasm will be truly missed. Others remembered Judy for her kindness and ability to make people feel welcome when they visited the pub in Claims. Claims. Karen Cresswell from Wolverhampton paid tribute myself and my husband have been going to the murk house for 28 years when we camp at mill house judy always made us feel welcome it came to feel as if it were our own local we have become very fond of judy and will miss her dearly
1: and this is friday the march the 11th my mum was screaming an alleged machete attacker said his sister rang him screaming as his family home came under attack in the aftermath of the attempted murder. Osman Multani, speaking from the witness box at Worcester Crown Court on Tuesday, said his house in Bronxwood came under attack following the assault on Oase Salim, but he denied fleeing Worcester in the aftermath, being armed or hurting anyone, calling the victim a good kid. Mr Salim, who has also given evidence, described how he was struck with bats and machetes in Miles Lane on Worcester during an attack at 1am on Sunday, November the 24th, 2019. Multani, age 27, of Westminster Road, Ronxwood; Kasim Multani, 23, also of Westminster Road, and Chahilnul Alam, 32, of Ivor Road, Spark Hill in Birmingham, deny attempted murder, violent disorder, and inflicting grievous bodily harm with intent. Mr. Salim suffered a fractured skull and a bleed on the brain following the attack. Osman Multani said his sister told him their house was being smashed up. My sister rang me, she was screaming I panicked she told he told the jury he added. My sister was screaming, my mum was screaming. They were both devastated. Multani said his partner came to the address helping to clean it up afterwards. He said he remained at an apartment in Birmingham previously booked by his partner for that evening. He said, I was shocked. I was in a panic and very angry. Peter Glenzer, QC, prosecuting, put it to Multani that the last thing he would want to do is leave his mum and sister. But Multani answered that his brother and co-defendant Cassim Multani was there with them. Mr Glenser responded that the last thing he would want to do was leave his mother and sister. I've, that's what's been said before. He said, you would want to look after your little brother and the rest of the family, he said. I would, yes, said Multani. It was put to Usman Multani that he was one of the people who got out of a Mercedes on the day of the attack at Awe Salim. I've never sat in that Mercedes in my life, said Multani. He told the jury he'd been in a Volkswagen Golf on the day of the attack. He denied instructing any of his co-defendants to clean the Mercedes thoroughly so that no DNA or fingerprints remained on the vehicle. Mr Glenser said, was it a coincidence that the Golf had no registered keeper on the night in question? Multani said he was not aware of that. Mr. Glenzer asked how a number plate from a Seat ended up on a Golf. Multani said he did not know. Mr. Glenzer said, "It's the Crown's case that you were the organiser of this, that you recruited people, you circled the area and you selected someone who was at the back of the group and launched into a vicious revenge attack. You deny that, don't you?" Multani answered, "I absolutely deny that. Yes." The prosecutor then asked Multani if he said he was not responsible and who did carry out the attack. If I did see, I would certainly say, said Multani. Multani described Owe Salim as a good kid and said he had no animosity towards him. The trial continues.
0: The Battle of Waterloo, which took place on June eighteenth, 1815, is perhaps the most famous battle in British history. And Richard Shaw, chairman of the Battle of Worcester Society, will be giving a presentation on the events of that day this month. Richard said, I'll be seeking to reveal facts of which people may previously have been unaware. I've been to the Waterloo battlefield three times and says have, he says he has every book published on the battle and there have been a lot. The talk will take place in the studio at The Hive on Thursday, March the 24th, starting at 7.15pm. Tickets are available from the Tourist Information Centre at the Guildhall or from Richard Shaw by calling 01905 358640 or even on the door on the night, priced £5 for Battle of Worcester Society members or £7 for guests. One or two Napoleonic reenactors will also be present. Well, there you go.
2: Right. <clears throat> Homeowners face bill for cleanups. Homeowners in the city have been billed by the council for the forced clear up of their eyesore properties. Worcester City Council said it has invoiced the owners of four empty and neglected homes in the city for the cost of clearing waste and tidying overgrown gardens. If the charge is not paid, the City Council has the power to move to reclaim the costs from the homeowners. One eyesore home that has now been cleared up is a property in Somers Road in Barbourne, which has been empty for over a decade and was in such a state it could barely be seen through the overgrown trees and hedges. The City Council enforced the sale of another home in Somers Road, which had been empty for several years and the subject of several legal actions because of its appearance – which has now been refurbished and being used for its original purpose as a home. The council stepped in to carry out an extensive tidy-up after the owner failed to respond to the to its tidy-up notices after complaints from neighbours. Another home in Kilbury Drive, on the edge of the city, was tidied up by the council, including freeing up both front and rear gardens and removing a vandalised car left on the driveway. Of the 179 homes in the city that have been empty for two years or more, 15 are said to be dilapidated. Owners of homes that have been empty and unfurnished for two years face having their council tax bills doubled, with the charge increasing if it has been empty for five or even ten years. Councillor James Stanley, chair of the City Council's Communities Committee, said empty and neglected homes can have a big impact on the lives of city residents dragging down the image of an area and potentially becoming a target for vandalism and fly-tipping. I'm very pleased that the City Council has been able to take action against some of these homes and help to avoid them becoming a blight on their neighbourhoods. I want to encourage residents who know of other untidy, empty properties to let us have the details at worcester.gov.uk forward slash report it.
3: And now a story of some fish rescues. Rescue tips the scales. Fish stranded at Worcester Racecourse have been rescued. Following the trio of recent storms, the racecourse, like many other areas in the country, or the county even, was submerged in water. While most of Worcester is back to its usual dry state, large parts of Pitchcroft remain underwater. Now this is last Friday, not now. A team from the Environment Agency has spent this week returning the creatures to their natural habitat. Environment Agency fisheries technical specialist for Worcestershire, Chris Banger, said, Flood recovery work includes fish rescues wherever possible. The Environment Agency's fisheries officers rescued a number of specimen fish stranded due to floods at Worcester Racecourse, returning these specimens to their rightful place, the River Severn. That's place spelt P-L-A-C-E, by the way. Surveillance and further rescues will continue for a few days as waters recede. A huge variety of species were found in the floodwaters, including roach, perch, bream, pike, dace and salmon. Mr Banger encourages anyone who sees fish stranded or in distress to contact the Environment Agency on 0800 807 060. Meanwhile, with the season opening a little over a month away, the rescue effort couldn't come as more of a relief for the team at the racecourse. A spokesperson said great work by the Environment Agency scooping up all the stranded fish at Worcester Racecourse and placing them back in the river where they belong. This is not the first time that fish have found themselves in this unusual habitat. In 2020, just before the first lockdown of the pandemic, the Environment Agency rescued thousands of fish from the racecourse following those floods. In total, more than 400 pounds worth of fish were saved. That's pounds imperial weight
1: this is it's not a home without a gnome a barborn man has been making painting and selling gnomes donating the proceeds to a different charity each month he started his gnome surgery last year and has since then painted created or revitalized over 200 gnomes simon horton began this idea by offering to repaint people's garden gnomes for free But now he is selling them for £5 each, and this month that money will be going to behind the smile. He said, people started saying I should do something for charity. So what I've done is I've bought some latex moulds, and I've started actually making my own gnomes. Whatever I make from the gnomes all goes to a selected charity.' I plan on changing the charity every couple of months, so this couple of months are behind The Smile, a charity helping bereavement through suicide and raises awareness of mental health issues. The next one after that will be Acorn's Children's Hospice. Mr Horton learned how to make gnomes through reading about it online and teaching himself. He added, They're not all perfect. Some have little quirky indentations, but I class that as part of their character. People can have the colour they want. I've even done a few mascots for people's clubs and things like that. I did one for a lady whose mum is in a local choir called I Sing, so she bought a gnome from the internet and asked me if I would paint it in that club's colours. I painted the symbol on his top and that went down well and the lady said it made her cry when she saw it. People can find out more about Mr. Nor- Mr Horton's gnome surgery and order a gnome themselves through his Facebook page. And I intend to do just that.
0: Children in Worcester and Malvern donned their pyjamas and took the plunge to take part in local baby and child swim school, Puddle Ducks, Pyjama Week. The event, run by Puddle Ducks Worcestershire last month, was lots of fun for everyone involved, but also taught the little swimmers and their families vital swimming techniques, especially how it would feel if they ever found themselves in water fully clothed. As the first pyjama week since before the pandemic, everyone was very excited to take part. It is often the favourite lesson for many little swimmers and many teachers with the fun exercises helping children to remember key skills for staying safe in the water. Suzanne Horton of Puddle Ducks Worcestershire said, It is so important for children to learn about water safety and survival techniques in the water, especially after so many months out of the pool due to the pandemic. Our Pajama Week helps children to experience how it feels to be submerged in water fully clothed and what actions they would take to reach safety. With the summer months on the way and many families spending holidays or trips out by the water, these skills are more important than ever. But of course, it is also a lot of fun. Wearing your favourite pyjamas, jumping in the water and completing activities is a novelty all children enjoy and a memory that will stay with them, helping them if they ever find themselves in trouble in the water. Everyone, everyone involved had a lot of fun. For more information about Puddle Ducks, at Worcestershire, call 01905 888 or go to puddleducks.com, Worcestershire.
2: Well, from a story about the very young to a story about the very old. Tributes have been paid to a, a woman of 107 years who always looked on the bright side of life. Ruth Thomas's funeral was held on Tuesday, with over 120 mourners filling St Mary's Church in Kempsey. She died peacefully on Tuesday, February the 22nd, at the Lawns Care Home, just five days after turning 107. Her daughter, Jill Drury, said she was always positive and looked on the bright side of life. I think that's why she lasted to 107. She was a real fighter. Mrs Thomas was well known in the Worcestershire village for running the swimming pool that was outside the lawns and the Queen's Head. Mrs Drury said she was very efficient at running the swimming pool. It was where all the young people congregated and enjoyed themselves because there there weren't youth clubs, so we all went to the pool. She really was really good at it and kept a strict eye on everything. It was so well run. That's where I met my husband Keith when we were 13 and we will be celebrating our 55th wedding anniversary next week. The pool was family run and her husband Bert did the technical things and me, my husband and brother Leslie would all muck in. Worcester Cathedral Guild of Bell Ringers sounded the bells in tribute to Mrs Thomas at her funeral. She lived in the village before moving into the Furs, then to the Lawns Care Home, both in Kempsey. Staff at the Lawns appealed in Worcester News for birthday cards for her 107th birthday, which was on Thursday, February 17th. At the time, the manager, Melanie Dawson, said, she's always been a happy lady, and if you asked her the secret of a long life, she would say it was her positive outlook. (coughs) She received... Over 500 cards from schoolchildren, Kempsey residents and well-wishers from across the country. Talking about her 107 years, her daughter said she was born in the First World War, saw the Second World War and even saw everything being invented, televisions, radios, washing machines and then space travel. She saw the introduction of all those things that we take for granted and also saw a lot of change
3: too. Uh, the story from Wednesday's newspaper, Find for Bar Abuse. <clears throat> a drunk woman who entered a city pub in disguise because she'd been barred hurled abuse at a barmaid who told her to leave. Despite having a scarf around her face, Gemma Holmes was recognised by staff at the Royal Exchange and told to leave the pub in the Corn Market, Worcester. The 40-year-old of Chirwell Close off Toledine Road, Worcester, admitted racially or religiously aggravated harassment and threatening, abusive or insulting words or behaviour against Alicia Bradley on December 19th when she appeared before magistrates in Worcester on Thursday. She also had a previous conviction for a similar racially aggravated offence. Melanie Winterflood prosecuting said Holmes had been banned from the pub about six months before because of erratic behaviour while she was in the pub under the influence of alcohol. She was told she wasn't welcome anymore, Miss Winterflood said. Miss Bradley, who had not issued the initial ban, recognised Holmes. She noticed that Miss Holmes had entered the pub and held a scarf over her face when she came in. Miss Bradley tapped her on the arm and said, You're ban you're barred from here. Can you get out? Holmes then used racially offensive language and added, I know who you are. Members of the public were present. Even when Miss Bradley was behind the bar, Holmes continued to lunge towards her. However, she was eventually escorted from the premises and found outside when the police arrived. She was described as being incredibly drunk at that point. She told police she'd drunk a lot of alcohol and was under the influence of some drugs, said Miss Winterflood. CCTV footage supported what Miss Bradley said. She accepts that she should not have gone in there, but saw family members and wanted to say hello, said Miss Winterflood, summarising Holmes' police interview. She added, She says she wasn't spoken to in a particularly nice way. That's why they ended up having a verbal disagreement. She says Miss Bradley was winding her up and laughing at her. She doesn't remember using racially abusive language towards her. Mark Turnbull, defending, said Holmes worked in a warehouse in Diglis and suffered from anxiety and depression. Magistrates fined her £324 and ordered her to pay compensation to Miss Bradley of £50, a victim surcharge of £34 and costs of £185.
1: Worcester Cathedral's choir is reopening this week after storm damage. During Storm Arwen in November part of the pinnacle from the side of the tower fell through the roof of the North Choir aisle, leading to the closure of the east end of the cathedral. This part of the cathedral is home to King John's tomb. A Worcester Cathedral spokesperson said the choir will be reopening from this Monday. They said, we know how much you've missed visiting King John's tomb and Prince Arthur's Chantry. Housed in our beautiful choir. So it's just fantastic that we can once again welcome you to enjoy our wonderful attractions. We still have a way to go with repair work, and the rest of the East End will remain closed off for now while work continues. The organ pipes have been removed for cleaning off site and will be reinstalled, hopefully, over the summer. So we will need briefly to close the choir again to reaccommodate this. Services will remain in the nave for now, but we will be sourcing a digital organ with the hope of services returning to the choir in time for Holy
0: Week. Thank you, Jane. And that wraps up the general news stories for this week. And we'll move seamlessly on, I think, to some sport, uh, sports items. And I'll begin with cricket. So, preparations for this season are well underway, with the county's cricketers moving to outdoor training. Worcestershire's players are starting outdoor training at Kidderminster this week. This rounds off more than four months of work since winter training began in November at Malvern College. Now the squad is out, practising on grass and in the nets at Chester Road, ahead of the season opener against Oxford UCCE at the Parks on March 23rd. Assistant coach Alan Richardson said it has once again been a really beneficial winter with plenty of work in all aspects of the game. The lads have worked on technical aspects and also been involved in plenty of competitive net practice as well as physical training to ensure their fitness is of a high standard. But by the middle of March they're ready to get back outdoors and practice and it is another important aspect of the build up to the season. It is essential for the bowlers to get the overs and miles into their legs off their full run-ups and the batsmen to spend time in the middle and feeling in good nick. With 11 days of warm-up cricket to follow, everything is geared up to making sure the lads are in the best possible place for the opening county championship game. After returning from two months' grade cricket in South Africa, Jack Haynes will be back training with the squad at Kidderminster. In the club's annual report... Chairman Fanos Hira wrote, We played some outstanding cricket at times during the 2021 season, but just ended up on the wrong side of the fine lines that often determine the outcome in professional sport. We saw some great resolve and character from players in difficult situations, including twice against the Champions Essex, to earn honourable draws. We're in a good position to kick on and improve again. It's all about marrying up that good cricket
2: we played in 2021. Best of luck to them. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And now netball. Seven stars fell to a 53-49 loss against Leeds Rhinos in a thrilling contest that saw them leading with 15 minutes to go. The team led after the first quarter to the delight of the home crowd at the University of Worcester Arena, but in a swing of fortunes, ended up down by five at the end of the second. Stars fought back for a slender lead going into the final quarter, but despite an improved performance, it was the Rhinos who took the three points after four fast goals in the closing stages. The result leaves Stars second from the bottom in the Netball Super League. Stars move on to the next game at home to Loughborough Lightning at the University
3: of Gloucester Arena on Saturday at 6 pm. And a dodge back to cricket now. New arrivals add some variety. New left handers will give Worcestershire a touch of variety, head coach Alex Gidman has said. Gidman was speaking about new recruits Ed Pollock and Taylor Cornell, who, along with Moeen Alley, represent the only Southpaws in the county's squad after Ross Whiteley's departure. Gidman said in addition to giving some variety in training, the pair will also create different scenarios and combinations with the bat against opposing sides. He said, to be honest, it's been a weakness of ours not to have enough left-handers and we'd only got one in Mo for white ball cricket with Ross Whiteley leaving. It does make a big difference because a lot of the time we've had very similar batters right-handed all 5 feet 10 or 11 inches with very similar styles. I've been conscious of trying to change that a little bit and try and challenge the opposition bowlers with their thoughts and rhythms a little bit more than we have done. It's great that with Taylor and Ed being left-handers. Another really important thing is it's allowed our bowlers to practice bowling at left-handers. At times we have struggled to do that. If you have no one to practice against, it's not an easy skill to transfer. It's been good for lots of reasons. Cornwall and Pollock are both top-order left-handers, which Worcestershire have been lacking in recent years. Vitality Blast captain Murray Alley was the only remaining front-line left-hander batter on the staff. Gidman said it will give opposing bowlers more to think about instead of allowing them to settle into a steady rhythm against a stream of right-handers. But in addition, it's given Worcestershire Bowlers a helping hand too.
1: This is basketball. Worcester, Worcester Wolves are the champions of the Midlands Conference of National Basketball League Division 3 after securing the title with an 85-68 success at nearest challengers Stoke-on-Trent nights on Saturday. An electrifying 22 5 first quarter laid the foundation for Wolves' 14th win of the season against just a single defeat and puts them in the position for a prime seeding in the upcoming post season playoffs. Riviero Rodriguez's game high 26 points was supported by 16 from Baltinu and 11 for Payne. Wolves we'll round out their regular season fixtures next Sunday, 20th of March, at 5pm when they welcome Warwickshire Hawks to the University of Worcester Arena. I'm very proud that we've won our division and I'm delighted that the players have something to show for all their hard work, applauded coach Dean Blake. Next week, I want us all to stay in the right mood, ready for the playoffs and to put on a show for our fans to say thank you for their commitment to us during this season.
0: Thank you. So that concludes the sport for this week. And we'll move seamlessly onto the birthday file. And we do have a birthday to celebrate. Uh, That's going to be on the 22nd of March. Mandy Atkinson has her birthday then. And we wish you a very happy birthday for that day, Mandy. And next up is the sunrise and sunset times. So tonight or even this morning, actually, the sun rose at 6.16am and it set at 6.17pm. So the days are getting longer, but we will be approaching the clocks going back this weekend, is it? Next or weekend. It's, it's next weekend. 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 It's the
2: equinox, isn't it? Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, so hold that thought and I'm just going to check in the diary to be certain. Yes. British summertime begins the uh, on sunday the 27th so it's not this weekend you'll get a reminder i'm sure from next re- next week's teams and last but not least i think we will finish with the thought
3: for the week so uh phil mark chapter 12 verses 14 to 17 they asked jesus is it right to pay taxes to caesar or not should we pay or shouldn't we But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him.
0: Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's recording. I'd like to thank tonight's readers, Catherine and Phil and Jane and the production team. That's John behind the glass as our engineer and Carol for her copy and admin and wish you all a good week ahead. And I will say goodbye. And so will everyone else. Goodbye. 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 So here are this week's obituaries. John Turner Loving husband of Diana, father and grandfather, passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on Monday the 28th of February. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday 23rd of March at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, however donations for Parkinson's UK can be left in the donations box at the service or donated online via www.dignityfunerals.co.uk, Slash Funeral Notices, Slash 28 Dash Twenty Twenty Two, John Hopkins Turner. Anne Bowley sadly passed away on the twenty fourth of February, aged eighty one. The funeral service has already taken place. Donations, if desired, for injured jockeys fund, care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, fifty four to fifty six Barbourne Road, Worcester,
2: W R one one J A. Robert Frank Bray passed away peacefully at St Richard's Hospice on the twenty seventh of February, aged seventy three years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the twenty fourth of march at twelve fifteen. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Saint Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to EJ Gummery and Son sixty eight seventy Ombersley Road Worcester WR three seven EU. Michael Kerslake, passed away peacefully on the 3rd of March, aged 73 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 24th of March at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for the Alzheimer's Society may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, W-R-3-7-E-U Geoffrey Philip Layton passed peacefully away on Monday the 7th of March funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 1st of April at 10.45 Family flowers only. Donations for Warriors Community Foundation and St. Richard's Hospice may be left at the service. Warriors colours or colourful clothing at Jeff's request.
3: Nigel Coombs passed away on the 3rd of March, aged 69. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 23rd of March at 10.45. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice, and these may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Terry Martin Hoskins passed away on the 23rd of February, aged 56. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 23rd at 12.15. Family flowers only please, but donations, if desired, for people in action. And these may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Bright colours may be worn. Margaret Mack Smith passed away on the 1st of March, aged 87, and her funeral service will take place on Thursday the 24th at Worcester Cathedral at 2.30. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired to Worcester Cathedral. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors. Telephone 01905
1: Pratt Eileen. Nay Morris, passed away peacefully at home, surrounded by her family after a short illness on the 7th of March 2022, aged 85 years. Funeral service at Hallow Church on Tuesday, 29th of March at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for Abbey's Army, a childhood cancer charity, can be placed in a collection box available at the service or sent to care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Oh one nine oh five seven four eight eight one one. Please direct all inquiries to Bedwardine Funeral Services. Lane William Roberts Bill passed away peacefully on Tuesday, the first of March, two thousand and twenty-two, at home, aged eighty-eight years. The funeral will be held on Monday the 21st of March at 10am at the Vale Crematorium. All welcome. Family and flowers only please but donations in Bill's memory to the work of St Richard's Hospice and Prostate Cancer UK would be appreciated and can be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to Jackson, Fun- Jackson Family Funeral Directors Limited, Delise Wells Road, W R fourteen, four J L, O one six eight four five six three nine eight three. Crouch Jean died peacefully on twenty seventh of February two thousand and twenty two, in her hundred and first year. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the twenty first of March at one p.m. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Acorn's Children's Hospice Trust may be sent or left on the collection plate at the crematorium. If they're sent they are sent to EJ Gummery and Son sixty eight to seventy Ombersley Road, Worcester WR three seven E U.